Apologies to everyone who was expecting their Rogue Report podcast fix this morning. Unfortunately, we are running a day behind because of our guest who insisted, insisted <laughs> on recording on a Monday night, making us all come up here at quarter to eight on a Monday, making Sean work all through the night to get it up as well. So yes, we have Jeff Brown from the BBC. Uh, we are actually happy to have him here. So how are you doing, Jeff? Thank you very much. Yes, yeah. Well, I see I'm in the studio at seven o'clock every, uh, every night. Um, and I haven't had my tea yet, and I've come straight here, so, you know. He's committed. <laughs> committed to the cause. Is this your first podcast debut? You it is, yes. No, no. First time. Yeah, and obviously you will have done radio many times. Yeah, I, yes. This, is, yeah, this isn't yeah. live, so you can say something stupid and we'll it's get great. No, no, radio's where, I, well, newspapers is where I started, and then I did a bit of radio work, and that's what led me into uh, into TV. Being a, the face. You had the face for the TV. Yeah, I'm not quite sure about that. No, no. It's <laughs> somebody, by a lot of makeup. must have said you had the face. <laughs> somebody looked at you and went, he's a pretty... Yeah, He's a pretty boy, we'll have him. Now, what I normally get is, are you that block off the telly? Followed by, are you not bigger than that? <laughs> <laughs> you are. You're a shorty, let's be honest. Is anyone else shorter than that? Alex, how tall are you? Uh, five, eight, nine. bit taller. Pats, I'm yeah. about six foot, I think. Are we the oh, same hey, height? Big man. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not bragging, it's just... This would be a, a very, very uh, comprehensive tag team victory. <laughs> Me and the Pads <laughs> against Alex and Jeff. Um, so, yes... Uh, as the other guest, Alex, you're here. How, how's things? I'm not too bad. I've had my tea, so I'm a bit more okay with the whole 7.45 on a Monday night thing. And what, what did you have? Just, I've got to ask. Well, it was my brother's party yesterday, so my mum did make a Sunday dinner, so she made it today, which was uh, nice. That's fair. Yeah. And I, I, I can get on board nice. with that. Yeah. Pat's there? You had tea? Yeah. I have, yeah. I had, some, you... had some shepherd's pie. Shepherd's pie. So nice, yeah. You look like a shepherd's pie kind of guy. So don't procrastinate too much. You know, <laughs> it's like big off this, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> know each other too well. Yeah. Now. Right, so Oxford game at the weekend. Uh one one draw. I'll go with a quick rundown of the game in case you didn't see it. Uh, you actually weren't there, Jeff, so this could be really helpful for you. I was skiving, <laughs> uh, I sat to go and help my daughter down in London for the weekend, but I have been watching the highlights. Yeah, you've been Committed. Do me homework. Committed to the course. So start 11, uh, John McLaughlin, Nets, left back Oviedo, Ozturk, Baldwin, right back Love, midfield, Katz, Max Power for about 20 minutes, Maguire, <laughs> Honeyman, Gooch, then Madger up front, Oxford dominated early on, scored through 60 minutes through um, Holmes, Ricky Holmes, I've got his first name, Ricky Holmes, free kick. Uh, maybe McLaughlin could have done a little bit better than Max Power was sent off on 90 minutes, which I'm sure we'll all disagree about. Um, because I thought it was a red card, but a lot of people don't seem to think it is. See, Jeff's already pulling the faces. No. I can't see the other guy's faces. It was a red card. Well, there we are. You see me and Alex. We're the tag team now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Charlie White came on at half time, equalised. Nice little touch. I was right behind it in the northwest corner, so it was nice to see. I could see him just just moving it a little bit, tucking it he in. Did, that like corner. a good striker. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I had one of them for a while. Well, we had James Vaughan. Less yeah. said about him than yeah. he scored on the weekend. He did. He did. Yeah, I that, did see that. That, was that little silence when you said his name there was deafening. Yeah, was. <laughs> He's almost worse than Rodwell, to be honest. I can't stand James Vaughan. Especially because he bites on Twitter as well. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he does. So we've got a draw. A draw. I think it was a good point for Sunderland. So, Jeff, I'll throw it at you. Mm. What did you make of the point? Good point? Yeah, well, I've been reminding people of this. I, on The first time I met Jack Ross was the day the fixtures came out uh, and I was doing the event, the fixtures breakfast for the foundation. Um, and he spoke for 45 minutes, had a, absolutely everybody eaten out of his hand. Really interesting guy. But, and one of the things that I do remember, he said, look, I know you're hoping that the team's going to run away with the league. He said, but the first few weeks, probably the first few months will be a bumpy ride because 
we've got to, I've got to get a team together. I don't, the guys, I don't even know who's going to come in yet. And just got to get to know how to play with each other. Sorry, play football with each other. Um, and I think he will look at it and think to be at this stage of the season, to be unbeaten, have the points on the board. Is a, is a massive bonus, really, when you think of how far the clubs had to come and with a team, as I say, who, who don't know each other. I think um, it was the best start in like 28 years, I think I heard them say. So, yeah, and positives all it must be. Really. Yeah. And, and the fact that, I mean, it, it is, I could sense a slight note of concern in his voice in the post match interviews where, he say, where he's probably thinking, yeah, okay, great character, 10 men to get a point and, and grind it out. But just, that habit of of going to go down eventually, you know, they're gonna it's gonna it's gonna bite them, and they're not gonna be able to, to pull it out of the hat. Uh, Alex, what do you, what do you make of that? The going down a goal, or you know, going down a goal and getting a man sent off as it was at the weekend. You know, is that an area of concern, or should we just be happy to picking up the wins and the, the well? At the very least, it's nice to see a Sunderland team go a goal down and then go on to win the game, or at least get something from the game. You know, last season, the seasons before, especially the one with Moyes, if you go a goal down and then get a man sent off, you're 3-0 down at half-time. You know, the game's over, the fans are walking down 60 minutes. So, yeah, you know, I'm not concerned at the moment because I think I'm just riding that wave of relief that, you know, Sunderland can come back in games when they go down. But I think I think what Jeff says, right, you know, there is a there is an element of concern there. You know, if Sunderland keep going a goal down, like, say, if it happens against Fleetwood, even if you go on to win, you know, you, you have to identify... A, a definite flaw in the team there that for some reason they can't start games well because you can't rely on the team to you know come back from behind and win every game or get a draw in a few and win most of them you know eventually you're going to go behind and stay behind because you, you just you can't win every game 2-1 basically no matter how good you might look on paper Padster what do you make yeah. of the, the slow starts is that is that an area to be concerned or, or we're happy with that you know seemingly the 30 minute period we play every game where we'll blitz a team and win the game because of that <laughs> Yeah, I think also I agree with the I, the guys here. I think it's just it's a case where if it does keep on happening, like you know, if it gets to a, a regular weekly basis, then yeah, we need to be concerned. But I think at the minute it's sim- everyone's sort of trying to look at the positives. Really, you know, we're we're six games unbeaten. You know, we've we've gone the whole of August unbeaten, which that that won't have happened in ever. Well, yeah, <laughs> probably not. But, I can't recall a time in my life. Yeah, so I think it's just. At the minute, like obviously, yeah, the Oxford performance wasn't great, but it was good to like fight back and obviously having ten men for seventy odd minutes. And I think, yeah, at, at the minute, it's just something to obviously you don't want to make a habit of it, really. But it's not too much of a concern, I don't think. We'll talk a little bit now about refereeing. You mentioned going down to ten men there, so first place to start is the Max Power red card. Jeff, I think you seem to think it wasn't a red. Yeah, well, I've, I mean, I watched it a few times. I edited the pictures for for Look North tonight, and uh, if watching it again he actually pulls out of the tackle so he's sliding in with his with his right leg but just before it looks like he's about to make contact he pulls his leg out so I I, I looked having watched it the first time I thought oh yeah I can see what people were saying but actually if you watch do you it think, slowed down I thought he pulled out of this do you think first view of the referee you see the way I saw it was I used to I have my qualifications so I have my referee's hat on <laughs> I'll follow that out there straight away I'm informed so first thing I saw was is he was miles away from the ball number one Number two, he made no attempt to play the ball because he was miles away from it. And number three, it was a tackle from behind. And I just look at them three things. And is the referee on the pitch without seeing it, mm, you know, over yeah. and over again? I think hard for him not to give a red card for that. I think if he, it's it's a one and a half yellow, isn't it? It's a between the two. It's a, yeah, it's a yeah. bit of a grey area. And yeah. I think 
maybe the way the game was going, it was a very dirty game. Maybe he should have yellow carded it because he gave himself a difficult decisions mm. to make later on when he could have given other red oh, cards. Right. But Alex, you, you're in agreement with me. I it? am. I am. Yeah. And I, I hear what you're saying, Jeff. Obviously, the issue is that once you commit to a tackle like that, you've committed to it. You know, even if you have second thoughts right at the end, all the referee's going to see is a tackle from behind. You know, two legs. It looked. Mm. It's, it's pretty. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, an he wasn't there was no malice behind it but it was a very aggressive tackle nonetheless mm. and you know a referee sees that and he has to give the red because he's, he's not he's not going to see the exact expression on max power's face when he realizes that he's about to pull out of it yeah. he's not going to see you know his like twitch at the last moment he's just going to see the legs flying and he's just going to give it because he's tackled from behind that's a professional foul as far as he's concerned and as as far as most of the fans were concerned at the time you know i, I saw him go in I was I'm fairly far away from the pitch, and I thought, right, okay. I, I looked away and thought, right, that's that's going to be a red. Mm. You know, I've I've seen them go in. That's that's enough for me, and that's that will be enough for the referee too. They've appealed it though, haven't they? So they have, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I think they'll have, I think they'll have looked at those and, and on the basis that he didn't go through with the tackle. That's um, that's what they'll be appealing. Pads, we're going to treat this a bit like the X Factor. We've got four judges <laughs> here, <laughs> right? We're sending Casting them votes. off. Yeah, we're yeah. sending them off. <laughs> Jeff's Jeff's keeping them on. Are you are you with us? Are you sending them home? Or are you? I think it's frustrating because I think it was a red and it's annoying because I think possibly Max Powell was the only person in that ground who thought that he needed to make that tackle because you could just mm. say, I think their lad, he took it away from Catlamore and then it's quite funny because obviously that's a challenge what we've seen Catlamore make like, in the past, earlier in his career, but obviously he didn't make the challenge then and then you just see, you could always say Powell was going to be He's going to be a few yards behind, and it's just like surely he's not. And then obviously, he did. And then I think the the, the momentum's maybe made it look a bit worse. I think obviously with the speed their play was getting away. But no, I don't think he can really. I think it was a send it off. I don't think he can argue with it. It's just annoying that he's even made that challenge really. And then we've got Maguire, who I think should have been off. He got he got a yellow card off the ball, which I'll admit I have not seen. I don't think anybody's seen it again. No, 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 no. I, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Yeah, so Maguire should have been sent off though for the the second once he's booked he did a tackle so he mm-hmm. probably yeah. should have been. Are we all in agreement with that one? Yeah, yeah really, so. maybe a bit overawed by the occasion. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, possibly. Then possibly. we've got Oviedo. I watched that one, but that one's on the highlights. And that one, I thought at the time it was a second yellow. Now I've seen it again. I think referee maybe could get away with not booking for that one. I'm quite surprised that he wasn't actually taken off Oviedo after his first yellow because you could just see him like he seemed pretty pumped up which obviously isn't always a bad thing but you think now with the with the, the way the ref was dishing out yellow cards mm. it's like every time yeah, every time there was the a 50 50 i'm thinking he's got to be careful here which i, I was quite surprised that he um he didn't get taken off to be honest and then there was the oxford lad who did a tackle on honeyman i don't i can't remember who it was i should have really researched that <laughs> bad planning on my the Oxford part. lad. we don't even know these jobbers yeah. <laughs> so the oxford lad uh, i don't know anybody else help me out with the name on that one no. no, no, no. Right. Well, we're all the tackle. We're was it Jamie Mackey? Because he's the one I recognised on the program. No, I don't think it was. It was, a mid- was it? It was midfielder, wasn't it? I think. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's the Oxford midfielder. Wasn't yeah, <laughs> it was. That's, that's all I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. John right. Oxfordson of Oxford yeah. went in with the tackle. So, are we seeing red card on that one? Did they get lucky? Anyone want to take that? Yeah, I, I, I think they did. I mean, do you think it is a red card? Uh, yeah, I think. I feel like I feel like I'm the only one who saw that one. Yes. <laughs> I think what's that scratching my head because the referee gave a red for, you know, Max Powers almost a professional foul, professional foul. He, you know, it, it effectively sets a precedent, doesn't it? You know, if if you're going to give a red for that, then you have to be quite severe going forward with the rest of your decisions. Mm. Yeah, which yeah. I think made the game very difficult for for him and both of the teams really because you know I think we saw a lot more cards and you you. you 
you normally do and that stems I think entirely from the max power decision was Sunderland horrendously dirty but I thought watching the game at the time I left it I said to my friend who I go to the games with I was like we have been really dirty today. I thought we were a bit more scrappy than usual yeah mm. I thought I thought Oxford you know were good at bullying us off the ball and I think we responded with our own aggression but I think we came off worse in the sense that we were the one getting called out more by the referee did the referee have a poor game Jeff? Uh, from what I hear uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the danger is when, as I say, when, you, when you make those big decisions early on um, in, a, in a league where you generally get a lot more leeway I think as you go further down the divisions you do seem to get away with it with an awful lot more mm. um, so it was a surprise to find there were what eight, eight cards or nine yeah, cards 20 I think Southern committed 20 fouls they committed 16 the thing mm, is there's an argument game. That, that Oxford sort of played the game that way the, you know they try to you know, upset our rhythm, but I personally didn't see it. I just thought we were dirty. Don't know, Alex. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I do think that Oxford sort of frustrated us into a lot of those challenges, but I, th- I don't think we were playing good football, regardless. Especially in the first half, there was a lot of. I mean, I know Baldwin went on to have you know one of the better games of the Sunderland players on well, that day, but it's a very good game. Yeah, yeah. in in the first half though, he was you know that when they played Scunthorpe, they were just like passing. They were passing through them, but against Oxford, they were just pumping long balls up, and I don't understand why why they suddenly changed the plan because they were they were going nowhere, and all the creativity in midfield just seemed to go. I, I don't know. It, it we just looked very frustrating in that game. We grew up more in the second, but in the first, they just they just looked fairly poor. Real. So the biggest worry is going to be set pieces. Yeah. What why yeah. can the team not? Especially when we've got a manager who is who is a defender. Why? Yeah. They're they still not. Early on, I thought well, it's, they just you know trying to get to get to know each other and mm. know each other's game but no matter what combination they've been playing at the, at yeah, the back especially at the heart only one goal from open play though yeah which yeah. is the, 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 the positive flip side of that yeah but it yeah. is worrying if they can sort the defensive set pieces out then because there were a few scrambles from, from yeah, apart was. from the yeah. one that, the one that, uh, that Oxford scored from the free kick a few corners that caused a lot of problems Charlie Wyke uh, scores in his debut. Uh, I was trying to think of some Sunderland strikers who scored in their debut in the past. I don't know. Cesar. Cesar, yeah, it's Spurs. Darren Bend. Oh, don't don't mention it. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> no, no, no. It did. Forget about that the, one. The, the, the touch, the faint touch that he that he got, did remind me of a great story. Um, of Marcus Stewart scoring from an Andy Welsh free kick at the Stadium of Light. Oh yes. That oh, one. hang on. Did that kick into the, the Marcus Stewart. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I think it was. Yeah, <laughs> and it, well, he claimed it. He claimed it. We interviewed. I was telling someone in the office today. We uh, we interviewed him a couple of a couple of days after and said, "Did you it was." Did you get a touch, Marcus? And he said, "Well, actually, is he, am I going to attempt the accent?" He said, he said, he said like, like, brush my hair, like, and air is part of your body. So that's like, my goal. So, yeah, don't think about <laughs> flicking your fringe as, as your vital touch. Well, that's what strikers, that's what good strikers do. It's the yeah. hurricane thing, isn't it? Last year, yeah. he claimed that one against Stoke. But either way, he gets the goal, and uh, no doubt about it. Mm, uh, that's a great start for him. Video yeah, he played really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if claiming the goal counts as it touching you last, you know, no matter what party body it is, how much, no, no matter what a small part. I think it, counts counts counts, yeah. I yeah, think yeah, it yeah. was a, a beautiful touch more yeah, if, it, if it's the slightest strand touch. of a hair if it, if it touched that last <laughs> by definition it's your goal yeah but that, that bish, was bash, bosh. the white score was better than that he, he yeah. actually meant to touch that one in yeah that I was mean, a lovely I, little finish that. I think obviously it, it was a bit, bit a bit more like a bit easier to see the way Gooch reacted because obviously you know Gooch was running over to white and that's so why I think straight away Gooch just thought well he's got a touch on that yeah. so that sort of took a bit of the doubt away from it mm. just the way Gooch went and celebrated yeah. like, with white Jeff, how impressive you've been with Gooch? Yeah, great. I mean, it's really nice that the lads t- 
taken it on. I mean, there was, was a worry that, you know, all the young guys who were coming through were suddenly going to say, look, I can, I can find somewhere else, I can start mm. somewhere else. But he's, a, he's a, just a really good good player who's settled down. He's got his head down. He's realised what can be achieved at this club. I think that's what initially um, Jack Ross had to do. He had to convince a few players to stay to attract more people in because if everyone was just jumping ship, then you're, you're going to, you know, people are going to think, why would I want to join yeah. Sunderland, isn't it? Mm. But because of the likes of Gooch and Honeyman hung around and yeah. Madger and then they started getting more and more players in. Mm. Um, but no, I think I think he's, I think he's been... Um, he, he, he showed what he did when he first came into the, in the team a couple of years ago and people were thinking, where did he go? Then yeah. he got injured for a while, didn't he? he was out, but, uh, yeah, he made his debut against Man City on the... Well, I don't know if his debut... If he started that opening mm. day against Man City under he who shall not be named David Moyes. <laughs> but great great energy and he, yeah. and he makes things happen when he gets on yeah. the ball, he actually makes There was actually, happen. in the programme this week, him and George Honeyman, I think, were interviewed and they said that their goals are just to see something back in the Premier League. Which makes you wonder with the new contracts they're going to need by the end of the year. Hopefully they'll they'll sign on the dotted line. That'll be important for Sunderland. Mm. The goal that Oxford scored, uh, good free kick. But could McLaughlin have done better, Alex? I think it was a good free kick. To be honest, maybe a bit better, but because he gets to it. I th- yeah, I think mm. that's the best you can probably expect from a League One keeper, in my opinion. You know, I think you know we, we haven't got Pickford anymore. We haven't got a. I haven't got steel. No, we, well we haven't got. Yeah, <laughs> thankfully. Huzzah. Yeah, it would have been more than one if we had steel or camp. But no, I think. I think McLaughlin's he's done well so far. Generally, yeah, you no, know, he's been he's been fairly decent. But I think your average league one keeper doesn't save that, so I'm not too bothered that he didn't. I think he's been quite shaky in the last few mm, games. I don't know if that's I don't know about shaky. Pa- Paddy, what do you think? From from set pieces, especially, it's just like Yeah, I mean there is he doesn't look the most confident coming off his line. And I think obviously, mm. you know, there was the the goal which was well, was offside for Oxford and you just gotta think you know, maybe he should be keeping hold of that. But I know I think overall, I think he's been he's played well. But I think a part of it is just that obviously last season we were so used to having shocking goalkeepers. Now we've got one who's not like, shocking. Yeah, do you think I've built yeah. a complex? Is that what it is? Have I got a goalkeeping complex? <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's what it is. We yeah, get David Prisson just to talk us through it. Yeah. <laughs> just to, like, no, no, they're not bad. Don't worry, fans. They're okay. <laughs> yeah, just put an arm on his shoulder, say yeah. some words softly. Yeah, maybe he's, I need therapy. He's, yeah. he's flapped at one or two crosses and 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 cut up. And then the one on Saturday again. I watched the replay, and it, I'm guessing it swerved because by the time he saved it. Well, again, hard to see when it happens in real time, but when I slowed it down, it was sort of to the left of him, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he did actually did well to keep it out. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Given the benefit of the doubt, maybe it's just not you know still getting to know his defenders, yeah. getting to know who who he can trust to go and clear the ball well, when he's got to come off his line. So uh, he's he's a he's been a decent sort of six seven out of ten, I think so far. If you think about it, like he's obviously been in goal for like six games out, like the different combinations he's had playing in front of him, like it's. It's been, you know, more than what most keepers would have to put up with in the opening month of the season. Because mm. obviously with injuries and just having to shuffle things around. So yeah, I think once we get a more settled back four, I think we'll see his confidence improve. Yeah, right. he's had just about every combination of our our fit yeah. back four, hasn't he? Apart from Flanagan, who probably yeah, yeah. tomorrow night. We'll move on to that later, though. Mm, yeah. But I want to talk about. We're talking about the back four. I want to talk about that beautiful man, Jack Baldwin, who is just oh, <laughs> winning me over with every performance. Um, it's just. 
he just does everything you'd want. He's good with the ball. He's defensively sound. I love the way he dribbles out of defense. He just he seems to tick all the right boxes. I, I don't know what you guys think. Is that just me just having them love heart eyes? Or... <laughs> I, I agree with you in all those respects. I think all those all those attributes that you're pointing out he has, but his long ball distribution for me is fairly poor. Just a devil's advocate take on Baldwin there. I, I think he's a great defender, but I just... I think that part of his game's wanting a bit. Right, so Alex hates Baldwin. What do you yeah, think? yeah, that, that's it. That's me. <laughs> I think he seems to be enjoying himself, which is great. Enjoying, probably enjoying being back in the northeast. And, Did you and know him from when he was at Hartlepool? I, I, vaguely, I, I don't think I've interviewed him. Or I'm, I'm pretty sure I would have seen him play. But um, yeah, I, I think he's, he's one of these guys who's come back and. and you know, he, he was with Hartlepool before, went away, it was Captain Peterborough, didn't yeah. he? And then he yeah. suddenly come back mm. and he's got a bit more, you know, he's back in the area and people now will be thinking, oh, actually, this guy's done really well. He, you know, he's moving up the ladder. So I'm sure there's a bit of that about it, that he's enjoying being at, uh, at a club like Sunderland, having been at somewhere like Hartlepool. What do you think his impact's having on Ozturk, Paddy? What do you think? Because I thought at the weekend that was probably Ozturk's best performance. Yeah, I think um, that's... That's exactly what Ozturk needed, I think, because obviously he played what he was in the. He played at Luton and was Chef Wed in the Cup his last game. I oh, think. hey, don't talk about that mm, Chef Wed. Yeah. yeah, but exactly, obviously, <laughs> I think his, his first first game back in the team, like, it had to be a decent one. And yeah, I think obviously having Baldwin alongside him, like we were saying, he's just, he's so, he's really confident on the ball. And I think he's a good, he's a good sort of player for the likes of Ozturk, who can be a good player. It's just a case of building the confidence. I think if them two get a bit of a run together, because I don't know if Leuven's is... I think Leuven's just a little knock. Well, he came off at half-time against Wimbledon yeah, so with like, a tight hamstring. Let, or let's say if no, he's, he might be missing for Fleetwood. Let's say if, we, if it is Ozturk and Baldwin again and they have another good game, I think that's exactly what Ozturk needs, really. Just to, So obviously the next time he does, you know, say if Leuven's comes back in, Ozturk sits out, but he can know that it's not because he's played poorly. It's just like sort of moving things around and that'll do in the world a good really, just in everyday training. And what do we make of Donald Love, who uh, was, well, to be blunt, poor at the weekend and being pretty much a weak link for Sunderland all summer, uh, all summer, all season so far. So what do we make of Donald Love? I think he, yeah, I think he's a very, very limited fullback, really. I, I don't think he can do an awful lot more than the, the bare minimum defensive duties you'd expect from a fullback that he, he doesn't even do that well in this division. Personally, you know, there's a lot of been quite a few wingers in this league that have, you know, had the better of them for most of the game. Yeah. And I think when he's when he gets the ball off them when he goes forward, he he doesn't really do an awful lot with it. You know, there's a lot of just sort of sideways pass and a lot of just sort of hoofing the ball away. There's there's not really you know, it's 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 not very inspiring, I don't think, watching him play. And uh yeah, I, I just don't think he's very good to be honest, to to put it bluntly. Do you think Jeff is yeah, the same? Not desperately impressed with him for a guy who's got you know great pedigree but then again Manchester United don't get rid of good players do they they get rid of the ones who but they think you would think with a player who's played like he played in the Premier League for Sunderland now exactly. I was saying he was great no. but you think a player who played in the Premier League for Sunderland and wasn't you know um, like completely horrendous yeah, yeah. and then he drops it down at the Championship and he didn't look great and he drops down to League One and he still, he doesn't, still look doesn't look great that's, that's, like, that's, a, that's worrying so yeah. he has apparently been carrying a knock so I'm willing to give him a, a little mm. bit of the benefit of the doubt mm. but I think uh, long live Adam Matthews and <laughs> yeah and Don Love did he did look quite good towards the end of the Championship season before he got injured I remember that he, he had a few good games I do that, believe he was my Roker Report trademark man of the match on 
one two, two occasions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I don't like the way it's more than none. Obviously, when he's he has a tendency to carry the ball forward and then not know what to do with it and then lose it really easily. Mm. And obviously, when you're a fullback coming out of position, leaving that massive gap in behind you, it's it's not the sort of thing what we need our fullbacks to do. And no, I'm with mm. I'm with Connor just. Just need Adam Matthews back, really. He's, yeah. not, he's not like Patrick Van Aanholt, is he? Where Van Aanholt used to, you know, wander out of right midfield if he wanted to, but he'd get <laughs> yeah. back because he's got so much it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Back. Yeah, and score like a few that. goals as well. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Van Aanholt, great defender. Um, so yeah, that's the sort of the defensive concerns. Flanagan though should be back uh, this week, hopefully. So that'll, that'll be yeah. good. Might to he be see fit him. in time for the Stoke game? I think so. Well, I put him in there. I did the lineup piece for Oak Report, and yeah. I have him in there. But I also have Luke Molyneux in there, who's playing tonight and has just scored mm. for Sunderland under twenty-three. So, what do I know? I'm just an idiot. <laughs> uh, we've got a question here from Gav, the Rogue Report leader, the leader of our Rogue Report flock. <laughs> leader of men. <laughs> Not to be too negative, but does anything worry you about what you've seen from our start of the season? Uh, I think we just about covered it. Really, set pieces and and giving. Going behind, and going behind yeah, early yeah, yeah, on, yeah. really. That's. Uh, I think gen- generally, it's it's is very encouraging given the low base from from which they started, and the fact that McGeoch, who I saw at Darlington in the preseason friendly, and and was very impressed with them then, that he's he's coming back. That Charlie Wakes, you know, getting there towards fitness now. Um, that we've still got. Um, McGeady, uh who's the on loan guy? Sinclair. Yeah. Sinclair. Um and Duncan Watmore, who must be like Rip Van Winkle, fell asleep yeah. in the Premier League and <laughs> yeah. said, well, briefly in the championship <laughs> and then suddenly finds himself in, in League One. I, is he gonna be the same player? I mean, who knows? But um He doesn't necessarily need to be at this level. No, you know, he's no, dropped but down. With all those things still to come, given the position the club are in now, I think it's no one can grumble really. Yeah. And what about Mr. Ndong and Papi Dilabodji, what, what, what do we make of the full situation there? I mean, we've got Stuart Donald in here on Friday, so I'm sure he'll give her all the gossip. <laughs> there are a couple uh, of absolute penny pinching mercenaries, and I hope they rot in the reserves where Rodwell once stood. Well, they're not actually penny pinching now because they're not getting paid, so they're just two idiots. Yeah. It's bizarre, isn't it? You would think, I mean, probably like anybody, everyone around the table, everyone listening would all want to do is play football for a living and, yeah. and not. Not to, to even to turn up for training. I just think what they've done is completely thick. I mean, what what potential <laughs> employer is going to go? Oh, you know what? You know what signs I want to make? The two lads who refuse to do the work they're contracted to do. Yeah, they seem like great professionals, great blokes. Let, let's get them on. Yeah, instead of let, instead of a million other blokes who can do the same jobs they can, but with a better attitude. Yeah, it's it's bad that they're actually worse than Coney in yeah. like, attitude wise because that takes some doing. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a, a thing here from Div Three, Div Four Football. I think it's a podcast. They they sounds like one. Question. Yeah, it does sound. They like said, it. "What did you make of Oxford's very own divine ponytail, Ricky Holmes, the goal scorer?" To be honest, uh, from a Sunderland perspective, I don't really um, watch the opposition players that intently. While obviously I'm watching the game, I don't take notice of who's who. So uh, I would just say it was a good free kick. And to be honest, I didn't even realize he had a ponytail. To be fair, it was a bit of a nuisance. <laughs> I mean, what I saw of him in the game anyway. Obviously, it was a you know was a, a, on love a good side. He, you I see, don't know. There we are. That might be it. Yeah. yeah. But he, you know, he, he was. He looked when he was on. He looked lively to me, and yeah, it was a good free kick. So, I am um, watching him play a lot for Northampton. That was in League Two, and I thought he was. Like, I actually, I didn't realise he was at Oxford. Obviously, I saw the teams that, and then I thought like, obviously him and Mackie would be players to look out for. And yeah, I thought he, you know, he, he was a handful, and obviously he got the goal. 
Jimmy Lawson asks, what do you believe to be the reason why starting games so slowly? Is it a poor warm-up, a lack of respect for the opposition? And what can Ross do to get us playing from the first whistle? Now, we have started virtually every game slowly, apart from the Scunthorpe game. Yeah. I think that would be fair mm. to say. Yeah. Although then again, we went 1-0 down against Gillen, but we're 3-1 up by like 20-odd minutes. So <laughs> yeah. That's not true. But what, what do you think it is? Is it? I, I think it must be complacency. It's the only thing I can think of. Because it's taken them so long to start the games on yeah. time. It makes you wonder that they need to be almost like slapped around a little bit. And they're like, oh, actually, we need to win this. I don't think we're complacent. I, I, I don't think there's been any lack of respect for the opposition. I think that the the worst the worst we've done of that is when I've jokingly, you know, called the team's jobbers. But... <laughs> Obviously, I don't. I know. I don't. I don't really mean that. You know, I, I respect the opposition. You know, I don't think that we're entitled to be better than them. You know, let's still be like the blokes no, at the road. I'm not asking about whether or not you respect the opposition. I'm asking whether the players do. Yeah, but I mean, like that mentality. You know, it's it's all encompassing, isn't it? You know, it'll be on the pitch and it'll be in the stands. Yeah. So is you know, naturally, as a club that's dropped down from the Premier League two seasons ago, a lot of people will expect us to think that we're above teams like Gillingham and Fleetwood. That we, you know, that it's a given we should be winning four 0 but I, I don't. I don't think Jack Ross is the kind of block. I think he's very measured. I don't think he would. He would tell his players, right? You come on, lads. You know we're better than these. You know we should just be battering them. I think he'll he'll take every game as it comes. You know he'll beat the team in front of him, but he'll treat that team with respect. So I don't think it's that. I think maybe the do just start slowly, but I think that's just due to that being a problem in and of itself, rather than some kind of complacency or some sort of entitled mentality that ultimately comes back to bite us. I mean, if it was that as well, you know. We would have learned by now to not do that. You know, we wouldn't be going into every single game thinking, right, we're better than these, and going a goal behind each time, and then coming back. You know, otherwise, you'd wonder what Jack Ross was doing. So I don't think it's that at all. I think maybe it does work the other way as well. That teams are playing against Sunderland and, and are lifting their own game, and especially yeah. the ones who've, yeah. who've come to the stadium of light. And Charlton certainly were, and Oxford. So it, it, it maybe that's what's putting the team on the back foot a little bit, and the teams are coming out thinking this is a big game for yeah, us. This is great. A lot yeah. of Oxford fans there mm. at, at the weekend, and of course, when Sunderland take a lot of away fans, mm. builds the atmosphere and it, and it, it stokes it up a bit. Yeah. But you, you haven't said that this, the team should still still be starting yeah, definitely. a bit. Bit quick and responded. Yeah, I yeah. think it is. It is more of a case of the teams up in their game because if you think, obviously, Oxford didn't play like a team who have only won one game mm. this season. So as you said, it's just like it's the, I'd say, big deal. But I mean, that sounds a bit patronised. You know, they like, come to. It is, though, the, isn't it? At the same but, time, yeah, I, it is. Yeah, yeah. it's but that was, was the the will see it as such. Yeah, the biggest crowd they played in front of since the last at the stadium. Well, yeah, there we are. Sort of in it, yeah. So. The likes of Oxford, Fleetwood, Aquin, and Stanley, you very, very rarely do they get to play in front of 30,000 people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just a big Probably occasion for them. I'm sure they'd agree. Uh, do you think Jack Ross should maybe just treat the game like it's half time at the start and just go <laughs> and just shout at them and tell them they're useless? Because clearly, that's his half time team talks are very good. He's, he's opening ones, must be terrible. Like, that was <laughs> I can't imagine he shouts. I, I, I'm, I just don't see him as a shouter either. Do you know? What do you, what do you see him as? No, but he's, he's more he's, of a cuddler. He's, uh, he's, he's, <laughs> oh, more he's, of a, cuddler. he's more yeah. of a stroke the chin, let's have a look, see yeah. what we can do here. Let's have a bit of tinkering around. And and to be fair to him, he ha- he, he's made some good changes and he does mm-hmm. seem to, you know, he's always constantly he does get thinking. His tactics. Yeah. He's it's, a half-time changes normally. Well, mm. his changes after half-time are always, always very good. Yeah, I, tell you what, I reckon, I reckon he's... He's stern. He's always stern at the half-time team talks and he always seems to be the kind of bloke that could just shout at any moment and that's what keeps them on edge. You think? I think, yeah, he's, he's right in between sort of being being overly aggressive and not. You know, he's, he's somewhere right in the middle. He's, he's, always, he's always 
He's like a volcano, always on the edge of eruption, but he never does. <laughs> Do you think my, my view of him being a cuddler might be misguided? Oh, he's not a cuddler. He's, <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that, that is not a cuddly man. Yeah, if I ever meet him, I'm going to go in for the hug. Just yeah. go <laughs> like, Jack, bring it in, bring it in, yeah, bring uh, it in. He's, he's Actually, got... <laughs> he probably would. He'd probably give you a hug, I think. He's, think? A, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a very decent bloke. I, I might make that like a life goal. I'm going to hug yeah. Stuart he's... on Friday. I'm just going to go in straight away. <laughs> yeah. Like, Stewie. Who wants Stuart? Yeah, give him a hug, give him a kiss. <laughs> There we are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just on the cheek. No. We'll keep it keep it PG rated. Uh, Jake Collinson asks, surely with the imminent returns of McGeady, Sinclair, and anyone else I'm forgetting, bracket injury wise that is bracket, should that be heralded as a positive or a negative in the sense that it may disrupt squad harmony with the potential of chop and change because headache for Jack Ross. I think that's a wonderful problem to have. I've just totally butchered that tweet there. No, 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 no. I think I think we've got the gist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it's it's only going to be an issue for squad morale in the sense that the players come back from injury will be gutted knowing that they're going to have to sit on the bench for a while or just wait in the queue to get on the pitch because if the teams continuing to win games or at least continuing to win most of them and just not losing, they are going to have to wait because you know any manager worth his salt is going to know that if a system isn't broke there's no point fixing it the likes of McGeady I'm sure is a very good player I remember watching him last season thinking that he could play in the Premier League if he if he'd stayed fit there was games against you know Norwich and I think it was Preston when he played them where he was absolutely phenomenal a player like that could tear league one up but if the wingers we've got are you know still playing well you know they're still working well in that team that's winning games he's gonna have to wait out He's going to have to wait his turn, you know, wait for one of them to get injured or suspended or just have a couple of bad games. And I think it, it could only be a detriment to squad morale in that sense that it's going to be tedious for those players. But I don't think it'll be a problem for Ross personally. I don't think he'll suddenly be deciding to drop Maguire if he's playing well just because McGeady's back. I don't think it works like that. Uh, I recall last year, when you said McGeady being Premier League quality, I remember last year leaving a game and saying to one of my friends that we might sell him for like seven million in January. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember yeah. saying that in there. Um, Not your hottest take, that one. Yeah, yeah, it was a really cold, <laughs> ice cold. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, just funny to think back how you view players. Yeah. I just remember saying that. Yeah, Lamine Corny, 18, 18 million, wasn't it? Yeah. Turned out. To be fair, I would have yeah. accepted that at the time. Absolute zero <laughs> take, thinking it would be better for Kept him. Because <laughs> it was like. Frostbitten. Wasn't that just after we got we'd sold Kabul? Yeah, yes, I think yeah. He, he just he, he wasn't the same after. Yeah, no, I think he wasn't the same after Kabul left. So. With his brain, that's why. But yeah, he was a useless footballer. Yeah, it's like Kabul, in the brain, wasn't it? Yeah, it <laughs> over there, just, like defend that. So, yeah, right. Okay, we're gonna talk a little bit about Stoke and Fleetwood. So the Stoke game, to be honest, I, I would say it's offensive that Sunderland are playing Stoke under 23s in a competitive fixture. Yeah, that is Jeff, awful. I'm throwing that at you. Is it offensive? <laughs> should I get over that or should I still just go to the game tomorrow and be a little bit steaming? Nah, you just got to go and enjoy the game, haven't you? It's, another, it's, it's a match. It's a chance to get to a cup final. It's a chance to win exactly. something. Absolutely. I've got a problem with that. <laughs> Silverware. Stoke, championship under 23 team. Yeah, no, well, no, that concept is is ludicrous. No, I mean, I, I, I covered um, Carlisle when they won the Johnson's paid trophy and, and when it it actually meant something because it was it was it's a it's a it's a day out for fo- for the football league teams. That's what it should be. Um, I mean, if if for instance Stoke under twenty threes got to the final, how many how many fans do you think Stoke would take there? Probably not very Sadly. many. No, it, it doesn't mean as much to them as it does to. And it was it was say when Carl I won it, it was fantastic because it was like we won the the cup for our 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 leagues, and it's not the same. I don't know who ever 
brought in the idea. It was no, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a very it's unglamorous a... fixture that. Forget a call Wednesday night at Stoke, try a call Tuesday night at home to Stoke's under 23s. <laughs> it's got to be worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, to be honest, I almost want to brush over the Stoke game. Like, I hope they win, but pointless getting worried about team selections and stuff because I actually think the majority of Sunderland fans want to win but don't really care. Yeah, I think I, that's probably a fair assessment. Not, I mean, I've no idea what the crowd's going to be tomorrow. Well, I yeah. bought my ticket before and it was re- they've only opened the West Stand mm. but it was reasonably busy yeah. I had to go on the, the, the wings I was almost in the corner to be honest I think, I think most fans like, they won't view it as sort of like what the competition is I think most people just go along and it's just like we're playing good football and there's just another chance to watch their team play really so mm. obviously yeah it's obviously it, it's a tournament which we haven't played in for a long time albeit it was pretty different the last time we were played in it I think yeah I think people just want to go along and trying to just win another football game really. yeah yeah I, I think we should with the checker trade trophy we should just take each game as it comes and for now you know while we're in the preliminary rounds just use it to blood the new players i mean you know that could well be a great solution to you know jack ross's potential selection problems you know the likes of flanagan mcgeady sinclair coming back you know if we've got these fairly low profile games just chuck them in you know because they'll still offer a decent competition when you play in the likes of, you know i mean stokes youth team and morgan you know you know they're not they're not they're probably not as good as most teams will be playing in this division, but they'll still be, you know, they won't be far off. They'll be decent competition. We can keep playing them knowing that there's a very good chance that should we, you know, we keep going, we'll we'll get into the further rounds and then suddenly we can win silverware. We'll be surely one of the favourites to win the tournament, or at least we'll be, you know, in and around. So, yeah, I think for now, just treat the tournament as a, a good chance to, you know, play the, the fringe players, you know, the ones trying to get, you know, back within the in crowd. Mm give them a good chance to play competitive games and then once you're in the you know the more the more intense rounds you know then start treating it seriously i think yeah this start is with a... one intention then once you're further in you know go to win it i think that the game means a lot to a player like lugo nine that's who i look at tomorrow yeah. like, he can come in i suspect he'll probably play in his favorite position behind the striker tomorrow hmm. and i think for him it's a really big opportunity especially because the team didn't play great at the weekend like mm, he, if mm-hmm. he plays well maybe scores a couple of goals he might actually have a chance to start at the yeah, weekend so yeah yeah it I, does I, have that i felt a bit sorry for him after the uh, after the charlton game we we interviewed him i interviewed him on the thursday i think it was before the game um and he was so excited at having having come here he said he, he even before he before he signed he came and had a look at the ground and was oh wow couldn't believe mm. he was in the stadium and then couldn't believe he was actually going to be playing at the weekend so it was it was a shame it didn't work out and I think a lot of fans would have looked at him and <laughs> written him off after the first 45 minutes of his first game mm. um, but he's a young lad who is very determined to succeed I think he um, yeah there's probably nerves isn't there in your first game for- yeah and so someone was telling me he, he, he he got when Watford, I think it was Watford, released him, and he uh, he hired himself uh, his own personal trainer yeah. to build up his own fitness. And you know the, the lad is is keen. He's very yeah, you've got keen to, to succeed. That. So uh, yeah, yeah, I hope he hope he gets on as a as a decent game. Uh, Tom Atkinson asks, do you think Jack Ross will tinker with his system this weekend? It feels it almost feels like clubs are beginning to formulate an effective plan to counter our mm. attacking style effectively. They harass our players from the go and force issue. Could McGee go and I be the answer? So. It was Talked a little bit about online, but what do you think about the system? You know, is it time to maybe change by playing the way we're playing a little bit? I don't know. I think it's. I mean, I think the biggest thing they're going to have to combat is the fact that Joey Barton will will have his team so fired up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And anyone who remembers seeing him, uh, I can't remember which team he came. It's a QBR. Was it when he came back and was, oh, he was holding up with a five-one? Five, yeah, that was yeah. QBR. Yeah, he, he, this will be a game that he will have been looking forward to since fixtures came yeah. out, and he will really have them fired up with the way I'm sure. Joey Barton can 
you know, he can change his name to Joseph on Twitter. He can use this whole pseudo-intellectual new persona he's made. But, you know, ultimately, he's the same petty and vindictive bloke who's going to fire up his team to play Sunderland <laughs> for his own petty and vindictive reasons. And that's to beat them so he can give it the big number 5-1 again. You know, he's, he's not... He, he, won't, he won't have grown up. You know, this, well, is, this is Joey Barton we're talking about. He's been very nice about wearing the press. You know, you oh, talk him up that's, very, yeah, very, that's very probably breaking it. That's, that's just his, as you said, like, just his managerial act, isn't it, really? Yeah. Like he's, as you said, deep down, he's going to be thinking, I want to go and smash them. Oh, yeah, of course. So badly. Course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he's best off, though, this weekend. Sort of, he can shield his team quite a bit by putting it all on him. You know, and that, that could mm, be a tactic yeah. he takes mm, the weekend. Yeah, that's Certainly, true. But then again, it can work in Sunderland's favour that we don't get on the back of the team if we're struggling because we're too busy calling Joey Barton. <laughs> that, yeah, so, Quite possible. Yeah, could be an interesting weekend. But I think McGeoch coming in, obviously if Max Power isn't, uh, well, if he's suspended, I suspect that'll be the change that's brought in. And I think mm. that could change things forward because again, McGeoch comes on and he just controls the game. We'll have a little bit more possession when he's on there. He looks like, it, he, he looks probably the, the best of the midfielders we'll have. Mm-hmm. It's been a shame that he's been injured. We've not been able to see him properly, but I think now he'll get the, the run in the team that you know should see him he, get that form. He looks like one of these players who just has more time than a lot of other a lot of the people around him. Mm-hmm. And, and at this level, yeah. it, it, it looks way above yeah. the league ones. He's, he's tidy, but he's sturdy. You know, like he, he can he can keep the ball and spread around. He can you know, do very intelligent things with it, but at the same time, you know, he, he's not going to get hassled. You know, he's mm. going he's he's to stand his ground and he's going to... And I think, yeah, I, I, I think that'll be the answer to Tom's question. You know, I think a player like McGeoch in midfield, we you know, would do wonders. It would add a, a dynamic we maybe wouldn't have. You know, we're maybe just a little bit little bit too flimsy with the current midfield in this division. And, we're, you know, McGeoch would make us that, you know, a little bit harder. It would stop teams just breaking us down in the midfield so we could keep playing that lovely passing game and just, you know, breaking teams down by doing that. Adster, are you in love with McGeoch like we are? <laughs> yeah, I think he's um, obviously no, he, when he he came off the bench on Saturday, he's, he's a really he's an exciting player to have, and I think yeah, it will it will obviously change the way we play, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because mm-hmm. if we change it to suit him more, then I haven't really got a problem with that because we've seen glimpses of what he can do on the ball, and obviously if, you know if he gets a few full games under his belt, I think. It'll really make a big difference. So I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing them start on um well Saturday. We had a question here about Donald Love, but we kind of have already talked about him, so I'm gonna skip that Jason B. So we've answered your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh Simon Kiez, I think that's his name. He's got loads of numbers in his Twitter handle, I just guessed. Uh how do we sort the defence out? Any sign of cross corner or ball in the box and we're shaky again. We've talked about that already, but it does seem to keep coming up and it's interesting that fans are now picking up on it seems to have just came up this last week that people have went they seem to not be able to defend balls in the box mm, Yeah. so it's, it's a curious approach but as for the game itself uh, what we expecting from the Stoke game and what we expecting for the Fleetwood game I'll, I'll throw a couple of predictions you're going to have to predict two games <laughs> blimey bit hard to know with Stoke I wouldn't I mean judging by the, the way they're First team's been playing. I'm guessing the under twenty three aren't going to be aren't going to be up to an awful lot. Um, yeah, two one home win. Two one home win for Stoke. Where about Fleetwood? Um, is it going to be the same? Is it going to be coming from behind to uh, to win? Could could be could be could be another two one. Could two see one. I could two, see two, an one. early Fleetwood goal and and, uh, and a Sunderland comeback. Alex, I think I think. You know, as we're playing a full senior team against, you know, Stokes, Stokes youth team, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I think chances are we'll be a lot stronger. You know, maybe, maybe we'll lack a bit of quality here and there, but I think we'll, I think we'll beat them 2-1. 
and I think with Fleetwood, I think we'll beat them two nil. I just think you know I don't think I think because of McGeoch's extra dynamic, like we spoke about, we're warned to get found out in the same way we've been found out before, and we'll just go on to beat them by you know being a cut above essentially. That's done. Yeah, um, I'll probably go with we'll win both of them two one. What? Yeah. Because yeah. it's the two one podcast. Just because yeah. I mean with with Stoke, obviously, yeah, it's a youth team, and I think it's going to be hard to sort of because obviously, you know, might not be following many players who Stoke have now, but I think especially with the being their youth team, we aren't really going to know anything about their players. I think obviously, you know, it depends how they want to approach it, really, because obviously they'd only been their kids. Are they going to go all out and try and be the first? Like academy side to get past the quarterfinals. I don't think any of the academy sides actually right, done that it? yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the because the last two years the last the last four has been League One or two sides. Yeah, so that's going to be um yeah. But I think it should be fairly straightforward. Then for Fleetwood, yeah, I think they're going to come at us because Joey Barton's going to make them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we shouldn't. We should come away with the three points. I think. Well, I think pretty we'll, confident. We'll, we should beat Stoke. I don't see Stoke scoring. They're in the 23s. Nah, we'll keep a clean sheet. I'll say like 2 0 for that. And then I, I just, I, I don't really, I don't fancy us to keep clean sheets at the minute. But <laughs> <Yeah, they're laughs> we always have like just we kept one. Goal. Yeah, well, that was just we put the game to bed at half time. Yeah, to get I up. they were very poor as well. I think, yeah. to be fair. Like, did you say they finished fifth in this league last year? Uh, that was a big shock. Sat yeah. that, though. I think yeah, a lot and then, and then Fleetwood. Beat them was at five nil at their place. Yeah, or three days later. Yeah, yeah it's a very Woods two goals better than us. It's a very <laughs> volatile division, isn't it? League One, from the looks of it, you know, one one season you're the you're the you know the cock of the walk, then you're the feather duster. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Like Mick Dawes, when he went in that Sunderland game, the Scunthorpe manager, and you know he's probably feeling quite safe, and then he gets beat three <laughs> off Sunderland five nil on the Tuesday night it's or Wednesday ship, night, and he's like, oh, ships eight, <laughs> ships eight goals in about three days. Yeah, <laughs> he's sacked. Life comes at you fast. <laughs> Jeff, we've got a final section here, which is mainly just going to talk about you. Just oh. everything about you. <laughs> talk about me. Yeah, but you, you, you mentioned, well, you t- told me before roughly how you got to where you are. But do you want a quick rundown of your career and where you started and how you ended up being the BBC's face for football? Yeah, blimey. Uh, try and condense it. So I was at uh, University at York. Uh, no media studies courses in those days because it was a long time ago. That's a good university, though, York. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah, it was, it was lovely. Yeah, Bright really. Button. Really nice. Uh, economic and social history. Uh, but all I ever wanted to be was a, a newspaper reporter. It was a sports reporter, all I ever wanted to do from about the age of 14 or 15. Um, so I wrote to about 50 newspapers in my final year, got uh, two, well, six replies, got two interviews and one job. So I finished up at the Birmingham Post and Mail. So I was in Birmingham as a trainee journalist. And every day I was going over to the sports desk saying, if there's a job nobody else wants to do, you know, because it's weekends, it's nights or whatever, I'll do it. So by the time I finished my training, by pure chance, the job came up on the desk and, and the, the editor just said, well, we don't need to advertise because there's a young kid over there who's desperate. Mm-hmm. So I started off in 1985. I was a sports reporter. Um, first game was Crystal Palace Wolves. Tommy Doherty, manager of Wolves. God, that shows me age. Uh, <laughs> nil-nil draw to Selhurst Park. And I was having to do a runner, which was, you know, you, you, you're on the yeah. phone. To a copy taker giving running copy running commentary on the one of the grimmest nil nil draws <laughs> I've ever watched. Uh, second match I did Coventry away at Spurs. I managed to get a penalty taker wrong, so that that taught me you should always check with the people around you, check the facts just to see what's happening. Uh, anyway, cut long story short, I did a year there, and then in 
as a sports reporter and a job came up on the journal and although I was desperate to head, keep heading south and finish up in Fleet Street which is for you youngins is where all news, newspapers used to be published um, uh, people you know, people I spoke to just said look it's too good an opportunity to miss and it turned out to be a great move so I came back worked on the journal for 10 years um, five of those just, just doing football five of them doing football and cricket so I was a Durham cricket writer home and away every game for five years which was fabulous um, did a bit of radio a while because I was at the cricket people were ringing up asking me to do reports realised it was a lot easier broadcasting is a lot easier than writing for a living um, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have had a laptop or something no, so, no I mean... I did, right at the very end I had a uh, I had a, a laptop that had a tiny screen on and you would you could only see about three lines at a time and when you finished right. a report you had to pick a phone up dial a number stick some sort of earmuffs on the end of a phone that sent a high pitched like a fax signal back to the uh, back to the the office um scary it was a bit yeah <laughs> the way things the way things <laughs> that, moved that actually on. like petrifies me a little bit and uh, and from there I, yeah as it happened um a job came up with tiny tees and uh because i'd done a lot of sport a lot of different sports i've been in the area for 10 years and i'd done a bit of broadcasting i was i was given the opportunity there and um yeah, did six years at Tyne Tees, um, uh, which which probably will be the best years of my working life because we're so different that we're doing things like magazine programs, archive programs. You know, I travelled the world interviewing uh, ex-players, and I went in the archives and dug out footage that hadn't been seen for donkey's years, and it was it was fabulous. And but then a job came up for, for the, being like the main man at, at the BBC, and it was um, it was a really tough decision but it turned out to be you know the best describe best it how you described it to me it was like leaving <laughs> one of the teams in the northeast and joining the other one <laughs> like, for instance if you're a Sunderland fan joining Newcastle if you're a Newcastle fan joining Sunderland it was like that yeah um and the job I do now I love it but it's just news it's, it's a constant diet of it's it's daily still news do football, I still do football but not as much and we don't travel as much as and I see um, you pop around the stadium I like for the when the manager I saw you when Donald got announced yeah you know, yes so. I did the interviews there. yeah I mean I still get out I still get out and do an awful lot but um, uh, I mean even film film stuff now that's how things have moved on I go out with the camera and people say where's your cameraman so no I I am the cameraman <laughs> and I go back and you know people think all you do is turn up at 25 past 6 and that you read do? out loud for half, half an hour, hour night? <laughs> but I actually I mean I physically edit edit all the pictures myself um, or the sports team we all edit our own packages record our own voices you yeah, know it's still do, very do hands on the, yeah. oh very much yeah. yeah yeah. I mean TV's changed massively in the 21 years I've been in them it was the last century but it wasn't actually that it was only 1996 when I when I got involved um, and and the whole of TV is just yeah, it, you know, it took five people, cameramen, sound engineers and everything to, to film something, get something on TV. Mm. Now, basically one person. Yeah. If you come into the industry at, uh, you know, whatever from university, you'd be trained up to be a VJ. So you film it, you, you make sure it's it's in focus, the colour balance, the sound's right. You go and on, digitise it and then you record your own voice, cut your own package and that's it. Mm. So it, it's it's great. I mean, everything's done a lot, a lot quicker. Um, and it's you know it's taken me all over the world, so I can't I can't. Yeah, I had the itch to get back it. into writing. I I do I do like enjoy writing, but um, because uh, I wrote my play, 
which uh, yeah, about, I remember about, seeing that on the by David Corner. So that's the sort of writing that I that I prefer to do now. Yeah, like I like playwriting is one of no, you're looking for a nice, lead actor. Nice side. Yeah. <laughs> Connor Bromley yeah. is David Corner. Yeah, Why are you telling me? Yeah, come on. Yeah, it's actually a little bit gingery. Yeah, Biggest surreal yeah. side that you were there. Yeah, uh, to be fair, I, I would not be great. I would make my own. Yeah. It wouldn't be. Really. It would turn into something very different by the end. Uh, you said also that you used to travel on the Sunland team bus the last time we were in the third division. Yeah, know? yeah. What I mean, the... again, this is just an idea of how football reporting has changed. Really, um, you know, when I when I joined the journal in '86, Laurie McMenny was manager, uh, which was particularly difficult time he'd, you know, yeah. he'd come back to the club and just imagined he'd just had to turn up and everything would fall into place and mm. um, it, because he'd been such a returning hero as well every, all, all the press at the time knew him uh, and he fell out with everybody uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a tough time and then Dennis Smith came along and, and it, was a, broke, it was great, great and we used to have massive arguments but he was always he did threaten to break my legs once <laughs> very late at night in a bar I can't remember where it was Northampton or somewhere like that so is that how close your relationship was though like you, you used to be know the team on there you know, yeah the bus, well what you had what you had was so in the uh, at, at about 9 o'clock in the morning the evening newspapers which would be the uh, the Chronicle, the Echo, and the Shields Gazette, and each had their individual writers. They'd turn up in the morning, see the manager for half an hour, and then at about one o'clock, um, I mean, this same at Newcastle as, as well, it's Sundan Middlesbrough as well. Um, so we'd turn up at Roker Park, the the evening, the, sorry, the daily papers would turn up, and it could be, you know, there was always the Northern Echo in the journal, but there could also be the Daily Mail, Doug Weatherall was there, the Daily Mirror. Everyone had their own their own writers. So it could be as many as half a dozen, you know, 10 reporters turning up. And you'd, you'd cram at the manager's office and you'd just chat to him. And quite often, you'd, you know, the managers would say, oh, nothing's happening today. And, but you would talk in between you, you'd, you'd get some sort of line out of yeah. them. And it was great. So you got to know them. Um, they got to know you. And then, yeah, Dennis Smith... Um, invited the regulars on, on the team bus so uh, we used to turn up Friday after Friday lunchtime um, and there'd be about three or four of us um, team would sit at the back management would sit at the front press would sit in the middle in the buffer yeah we would like the buffer <laughs> between them all Gary Bennett would bring these these, these CDs and these dodgy videos onto the uh, onto the team bus dodgy videos <laughs> I mean, we would arrive at the hotel on a Friday night. The team would have the meal. They'd be, I think, we were allowed one drink, and then they were off to bed. Um, and then we were in the bar, and then when they went away, we'd go and have a meal. Uh, Viv Busby and Dennis, and occasionally Bob Murray would be on one table. Roger Roger Jones, I think, was uh, was the uh, uh, one of the coaches as well. And the press would be on another table. And when we finished the meal, we'd get together and we'd sit in the bar till about. Two or three in the morning and Decent. just and just chat and it was great because you you got to know things and they told you things in, in in confidence or they gave you a bit of background to what was going on, um, and but it also meant if they had a gripe with you, you could, they could you know they could have That's a go and say, yeah. how, how does that work? You know, you 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 think that something's been done wrong and maybe you publish something that they might think's not fair. How does that conversation go? Yeah, I, well, I remember once I I, used, I was quite pally with Gary Hours because he was he was a couple of years younger than me and we. Um, we used to go and play golf together at Washington, so I got quite chummy with them. And I remember a friend of mine told me that um, that QPR had been um, had had a scout watching him, and I just happened to mention it to him in passing because he went mentioned it in the dressing room. And the next time I went turn up and walk the park, Dennis Smith just came over and grabbed hold of me. <laughs> You've been tapping my my players. So leave me explaining himself. You've been tapping my players, and I didn't have a clue what he was on about. He dragged me into his in his office, started screaming at me, and about 
Gary Harris. And I said, look, this is what I'm... He said, well, I'm telling you, it hasn't happened. I said, well, look, I'm telling you, it has, because I know the guy who's a scout and he's and he's been there. And I said, look, I was telling him as a mate. I wasn't tapping him up. But eventually, we got over that. Mm. And that's what you that's what you could do, you know, because yeah. you, you got to yeah. meet these guys. And it was... Uh, it, we, Dennis always loved an argument as well. He He, he was one of these who... He fished for it. Well, he did. He did a bit. He was uh, so he was working class lad from from the Potteries who'd, who'd become a self made man and look what I've done and um, very hardline Tory and uh, <laughs> so he used to have massive rows with uh, Brian McNally who was the, the one of the sports writers at the time who was a huge left wing socialist um, and we used to get caught in the middle. But um, Dennis was also very much the the, the old school whereby it, eventually the argument would always descend into. Who have you ever played for? Have you ever played in the first division? <laughs> and, you know, and all you could say was, so you've got to be a film director to enjow your film or say what you like about it for an author to say whether you think yeah. the book's good enough. Yeah. And I'd say, well, you know, I've watched football for, 20, at that time, 20-odd years, 25 years. I'd like to think I've got some sort of insight of the game, but no, I haven't played it at your level. But that was always his default yeah. position. You've never played it, so you know what you don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, waving those credentials around. Yeah, yeah. And it was... Yeah, but it was it was great. It was really good fun, and of course it was a it was a, a good time for the yeah. for the club because we were winning. It changed when they the, as they got further up the leagues when they got um, back into um, what's it Division Two then um, would have been yeah it would have been because of pre Premier League, um, but but it was still a good atmosphere, a good uh, you, you know, must have covered the ninety two Cup final. Yeah, yes, it was the ninety two Cup final. Um, I heard a, a, who was it? Somebody was telling us about Graham Anderson. Was at the Echo, but he wasn't a sports writer at the time, and he got the chance to sit in the home crowd, and he had to do a story on being in the home crowd or something. And apparently, that like made his life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to see a, any Northeast team in the cup final was was amazing, and I had to really fight for it because I'd um, I'd only it was ninety two. I'd just started as a cricket writer, and um, uh, and the the editor at the time wanted to send uh, the new football writer. He, a guy called Ian Dobson, who was a mate of mine, went up to work for Sky TV, and um, and he said, "Oh no, yeah, Jeff's been covering football for for however long, six years at the time." He said he's got to go and do it, and I really had to fight to, uh, and that and that was great. That was um, apart from the game itself, which was a bit <laughs> grim. The only player who didn't talk to us afterwards, I seem to remember, was Peter Davenport. Was Davenport playing? But generally, the, the players were 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 great, and. Um, yeah, we made some really good friendships there. That um, you know, the likes of Kevin Ball and and Benno and Gabbers, uh, I would class as friends. And and same at Newcastle. You know, there's a lot of a lot of guys at Newcastle because it was the same there. You could, uh, you know, you actually got to meet the players. You went up the training ground every day. You could watch some. I remember going up going to watch Gaza training. You know, when I when I first came back. The, the press could just go in, stand there, watch it. And when they came off the pitch, you could grab anyone you like for an interview. I mean, now you try and talk to a player without awesome. going through the press office and it's, you know, you get your hand chopped off, mm. which is which is sad, really. And, and you know, we, we didn't do it for our own personal gratification. You do it because you're the, you're the you know, you're the, the middleman between the, the players and the uh, and the fans. Um, it's a lot different now, you know. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's great that, to some extent, the players go on Twitter and you, you've got some sort of contact. But, yeah, Twitter's um, that middleman now, isn't it, essentially? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have the only time we get to speak to players now is in very controlled conditions, mm. you know, before a match or grabbing them for a few minutes when they come out afterwards. And uh, Yeah, you can ask any question 
as, as long as they don't breach categories X, Y, yeah. A, B, Z, J. I, I mean, well, I, I had a, I've got a contact book which is still you know, packed full of phone numbers of uh, sadly a lot of dead dead <laughs> players now or dead Ooh. managers and you know, would ring anybody up and it was uh, it was a different uh, a different time. I don't think sports report football writing is is as pleasurable as it as it was back then when you could uh, when the Premier League came in the whole thing the whole thing change the whole yeah. dynamic what do you think change. about sort of the media in general I often like to speak to media people about I think that the media gave everything away for free and didn't monetize it and they can't go back now I don't just see your view and obviously you're BBC so you're a bit different yeah but... well I mean BBC does it, BBC makes it difficult for everyone in a way because the, the BBC website is so comprehensive and I mean it's it's, it's not free because it's part of your license fee but nominally it's um, you know it, it is I think it, it's a fantastic service a bbc sport website but bbc um, news everything yeah um but yeah generally i mean uh, sky has a sky change change for the better you know it's brought in it helped bring in pay for all seat the stadiums and pay for you know fantastic footballers from all over the world to to uh to come and play um but also it's not it's not the game that i grew up with you know like when you paid half a crown. I'll explain how much money it's twelve and a half <laughs> new pence. Uh, when you, you you weren't paying much, you stood in the rain. If your team lost, you know, well, that was disappointing. But there's another game next week, and now like, every game's a matter of life and death. And and it's that's the way you not... build it up on the telly for us. That's why. <laughs> yeah, it's all your fault. <laughs> uh, Graham Field asks, uh, what games stand out for you, Jeffs, over the years for Sunderland? What what games have passed you? Sunderland game. What, what's the one that? What Sunderland games? Uh, probably the Chelsea, the Chelsea game first uh, time they played them back in the in the Premier the 4-1. League. The four-one, yeah. yeah. When having, I mean, being hammered at Stamford Bridge on the first day of the season, thinking, "Wow, this is going to be tough." To see how far they came, and um, I, I remember being stunned at half time, and uh, and saying to someone in the press box, "I." I might not see a Sunderland team play as well as that again. It's um, a shame that they didn't beat them like 8-0. Yeah. It's always upsetting, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, I haven't been falling up at half-time. Nearly got a fifth, and the Kevin Phillips nearly got a, a one in the second half. That That's what I think, of all the Sunderland games I've seen, that, that's probably the one that, uh, that you know, you think, wow, that that was possibly Sunderland the best the best I'll ever see them play. Bury game stands out because I was doing the, the, the promotion game uh, to go into the Premier League because I was doing the... Um, Doing the, the post-match interviews, and I remember running, uh, running on the pitch, trying chasing Kevin Phillips. <laughs> the cameraman uh, was running with me, and the, the cord from the microphone was wrapped around my foot, and I was in danger of falling flat on my face in front of <laughs> thousands of Sunderland fans, and hopping yeah. towards Kevin Phillips again. This is this looks horrible. This is really embarrassing. <laughs> um, and then when the uh, when the, the championship was presented um, after the Birmingham game. Again, I was doing the interviews and I was on the pitch walking around with the team and 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 thinking, oh, this is a bit, it's a bit special. This being on the pitch, for they're it. applauding me. For it. <laughs> for me. Um, I mean, do you ever feel like clapping? Is it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, away from away from Sunderland, you know, I did Middlesbrough's uh, UEFA Cup final, which was amazing to, to go, think. Did you go the the final? Was the final in Eindhoven? I, I was, the final was in Eindhoven. Yeah, yeah I covered the final there and and just thought. This is uh, I didn't think I'd ever see a northeast, and probably never will again. You know, I'm thinking I've got about ten years of working life left. Will I ever see another northeast team in a European Cup final? 
you know, the final of a European com- competition. Probably, probably not. not. No, probably, probably not. not. No, I got thrown out of a cup final once. Um, I covered uh, Newcastle, uh, Man United, Newcastle Man United cup final, which was ninety nine, wasn't it? And I was behind the goal, and I wasn't wearing my TV bib because it was a really hot day, and uh, I just phoned one of my mates to say, "If you look, if you look behind Steve Harper's goal, you'll see me because I'm the one not wearing a bib," which <laughs> should have really rang a bell somewhere. Because within about two minutes, the head steward came over and said, where are you? Where's your bib? And I said, what? It's, it's in there. And he said, right, get out. And I said, look, I've got a pass. I've got a pass. It says that. And he said, get out. And I had to walk while the, while the cup final was going. I had to walk around the outside of the pitch thinking, I hope the cameras yeah. are. <laughs> this, that the was walk probably, of shame. Yeah, that was probably one of the most embarrassing <laughs> moments. So you, didn't, you got kicked out? I got kicked out. I found a bib and I went back in and I hid at the, the other end of the pitch. Behind two guys who, when Fantastic. I got talking to them, they were, they were photographers who worked for Channel 4 and they weren't even reporting. They just like got, got bibs in. and got, just in, got in there. And I thought, well, at least I'm reporting. <laughs> I should be here. Fair play. Yeah. But right yeah. through, but like, yeah, I've been <laughs> done pretty yeah. well over the years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, there have been some, um, and some of the managers, you know, over the years, Reedy was probably, um, media wise, was, was one of the best as well. Just a great. What do you make of Premier Passions when that came out? Because obviously we all—I was born '94. I don't know when you were born. '97, '97. Yeah. yeah. So it's before I've watched. <laughs> you would have been allowed to watch it. All the swearing. I've seen it all as a retrospective thing. But at the time, what what was that like? Obviously, you would have been on ITV. Yeah, we so yeah, were. Obviously, I kept looking for myself. I don't think I actually got on at any stage, which is a bit bit disappointing. Well, there wouldn't be um, news enemy. No, but they did. They did sort of press conferences and things like that, and. Uh, yeah, I, it was it was amazing. I was um, it was a great series, a fascinating series, um, and it, and it, the fact that it was you know last season at Roker Park, I think it was. Uh, I was it, the access that the, the club gave was was astonishing. Not, and from what I understand, they didn't give them the same sort of access to the football seventy three guys who were doing the Netflix documentary, and they didn't let them in dressing rooms. And like, Did they not? No, no. I'm interested to see what that looks like. I know yeah. I'm in it yeah. for 15 seconds ish, <laughs> ish. So that that'll be interesting. Did that was it when they had the cameras? Is it in here? Yes, that was the... just a horrendous. I don't. I, we had the the podcast in here yeah. the first day, and then we get Stuart in here. It's me, Stuart, and there's another guest. But then there's massive camera crew. No, it was Johnny Goldsmith. Ah. A massive camera crew is just there. Like in that window, <laughs> and I'm like sat here, obviously nervous as yeah. you would be, because you know, big interview. Mm. And uh, yeah, I just I just I could concentrate. <laughs> just all over the place. first three minutes of that interview, I'm not even there while they're at the window. So, yeah. <laughs> so we have got Stuart Donald on the podcast on mm. Friday. So I thought Great. we should do a wee preview uh, five minutes before we all head off home, and you can have your tea. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what do you make of Stuart Donald and everything they've they've done since they've came in? All positive. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, like a lot of people, there was a healthy dose of scepticism when he. That's just know, natural he, northeast, though, isn't it? Well, yeah. It, it, it is. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 yeah, you know, because of what had gone on with Ellis Short, you, you were always thinking there's got to be more to it than just this. Surely he's not going to write off the debt. And there was a you know there's a connection, the Skibo Castle connection with Charlie Methven, who has Skibo Castle owned by Ellis Short as one of his clients and his PR. So you're thinking, well, that's that's where it's all. There must be something more to this uh, and you know was there the first day that he arrived and um i think kid in the sweet shop was the the phrase that that, that sprang to mind um 
and I listened to the podcast and and you know when he was talking about having fans in to come and change the seats and yeah. you know, I could imagine the, the uh, Louise in the PR department suddenly covering her eyes and going no no <laughs> what I, I felt I was the one really that go <laughs> but what a great you know what a great idea that it and, and he's made it happen and uh, um, so far I, I, they've been true to their word and. Um, you know, you can only applaud them. I mean, from 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 a media point of view, you've gone from Ella Short, a guy who in ten years never gave one no. one interview to us. Interview, he gave an interview to Sky, and he did a couple for the for SEFC TV, but never spoke to us. As I interviewed him once in a a, a, a cup final celebration event in the in the. Um, in the banqueting suite, and that was the only time I ever met him in ten years. And to go from that to a guy who suddenly, it's you know, everywhere. we tried to get him that that night. We tried to get him um, live on Look North his first night, and he said, "Oh, I've got to go off and do this uh, do this podcast." But if I'm finished in time, I'll, I'll come straight back. And if if I can't do it, then just ring me any time, and I'll come on live on. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm it's thinking, wonderful, really. Isn't it? Yeah. it is great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Slightly overwhelmed, yeah, we've, and we've gone from a bloke who you know got more elusive with each passing year to a bloke who just wants to be everywhere at once. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's tremendous. I mean, he's gonna have to rein it in and i think he has a little bit oh of course I mean, but but it's yeah we, we certainly media wise we can't complain i mean we you know we, we never saw ella short never had an interview with mike ashley in 10 years <laughs> the last time we had an interview with steve gibson at middlesbrough was the day i talk Karanka took over which must be what four or five years ago now uh I think, 2012 yeah, yeah. so no, i think it was yeah 2013 yeah, what I said, Alex. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, and, and as, as things go on, I, I, my worry was that, that either, you know, if things go incredibly well or if things, if the wheels come off, then the two of them, the two guys might be a bit surprised at the extremes of reactions yeah. that, that, that they get. Um, but, you know, fair play to them for, for what they've done so far. Do you think other teams will learn? From that, do you think? Because I've never came across a team of this size having that sort of level of interaction. It's just been alien. I've never known anyone. I know Peter Brown, chairman, does it, but yeah. Other than that, it's... well, it's, see, in a way, it, it again, it went back to, to thirty years ago on the last club, last time the club were in this position. Bob Murray took over. He rang the journal. I was on the journal. He rang the news desk and said, "I've just taken over as chairman of Sunderland Football Club. Would you like to come and interview me?" And that. <laughs> That sort of thing. It must be a dream for a, yeah. for a journalist. Ah, it, it, for us, it job was so yeah. easy. It was wonderful. And again, what Bob did in the early years, uh, he every um, every preseason he'd have a big media event, and so he'd get all the press in. Uh, he'd, he'd put a he put a dinner on. Uh, there'd be a darts competition. There'd be a snooker competition. One year he got us all kitted kitted out. Took us onto Roker Park. We had a penalty penalty competition against Ian Hesford, <laughs> which was more <laughs> difficult than you'd imagine. Right? Um, <laughs> Arthur Appleton, a, guy, a journalist who was with the with the Sunday Times, he was about seventy five at the time, and came on and scored a penalty. Yeah, and it was it was it was just a, a nice family atmosphere, and that's the sort of thing I think if you. You're not looking to get the media or the press to do, you know, just to write gushing articles about you. But when you've got that little bit of give and take, you just understand each other a bit better yeah. about you understand the pressures that they're under and they hopefully understand what the pressures you're under and, and what you're trying to achieve. You know, you, you just... Yeah, it's nice seeing everyone on the same side, isn't it? It's nice to see the, 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 the powers that be sort of just like liaising with the press just to produce, you know, the, the truth, to get the truth out there. You know, it's it's a... It's a far cry from from Martin being in his, you know, in his, in his press puppets telling you what, you know, what paints him in a, in a good light and keeps everything just about hush hush. It, 
I mean, it, it's it it went from you know you could speak to anyone and to you can only speak to someone with a with a press officer hanging over your shoulder, and and they've you know they've they've got a job to do, but it's um, again it doesn't doesn't make for a great sort of relationship. But no. Stuart Donald has has, has has changed it all, and you know, oh, totally. I'll take my hat off to him. All right, well, uh, I think I'm going to wrap that up and we're going to all head home. It's it's one minute past nine, which is pretty much when we're said. So that's all good. So thanks, Jeff, for sharing sure. your time. We'll get you back on in the future. Uh, I'm sure we'll hopefully be talking about promotion or any <laughs> promotion by then. Alex, always good to see you. Yeah. 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 Good <laughs> pretty good. I'm enjoying the, the look. I like, yeah. You oh, know, thank you. You know we have a beard. I've started growing a beard. It's, it's coming all right. It's yeah, a little bit patchy in places, well. but yeah. yeah no, I think, I think it's as, as a man with a good beard, Paddy, I appreciate that. You know, it's tight praise indeed. Anytime. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Jeffrey, you probably hate beards. Your generation hates yeah, them. Yes, yes. <laughs> I had to grow one a few years ago and it was grey. Yeah, I can so. imagine you with a bit of a goatee. <laughs> yeah, I had a tash till I was about 24. Yeah, and you should go like a Hulk Hogan style for a handlebar. When the t- when this penalty spot finally spreads, and then it's going on top of yeah, the where the bandana and that, I could see that brown mania and all that stuff. Paddy, always nice to see you. Yeah, good to see an Irishman in here. It'll be a uh, last time in a while. Yeah, he's moving to Coventry. Back, back off to, to Dublin. It. Yeah, <laughs> back <laughs> off to <laughs> university. Back so. to Dublin. I. He's going to Cork. Cork. <laughs> Go see his uncle Roy. Yeah, I'm. I'm not Irish. I'm I'm sick of saying it. <laughs> so, who calls a ginger kid Paddy? Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't know. I was I didn't come out with ginger hair, did I? I was probably bald. <laughs> I would have thought. Well, a baby's born with hair? Some are. Change your yeah, name. Some are, yeah. <laughs> Change my name. Are you Chris? Are you Paddy or Patrick? Paddy. I'll, I'll call my kid Paddy. Would you? Paddy Bromley. I'll just spend the rest of my life taking the piss out of them. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad wanted to call me Finball. Finbar, 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 Finbar Bromley. I don't know. Did I not a fan of Viz, was he? No, 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 no idea. Finbar Son. <laughs> now you've said that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring that up. How about Gideon Tarquin Finbar? You know what? No, Connor, Connor will do. <laughs> well, I think that's it. I mean, you know, he, he just decided that he, he hated us pretty much before I was born, and before his Finbar. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. Connor's not right name. I'll take that. Right, that's a nice way to end anyway. All proves my name. <laughs>